Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philip Wiley Show. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Kevin Johnson. So I first found out about Kevin taking the SANS course, the SANS Web App Pen Testing course back in 2014 and when his project Samurai WTF, uh, which we'll get into a little bit here in a little bit. But uh, that's kind of how I knew about Kevin. And uh, recently on Twitter, he was sharing about wanting to be on a podcast to share about open source and OWASP. And actually, Tom, his co-host of his podcast, had recommended Kevin be on my show. And I just kind of forgot about it. When I saw the tweet, I thought, yeah, be, this is I need to get uh, Kevin on the show. So I reached out to Kevin. And fortunately, he made time for me. So thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for having me. I like uh, Tom told me I should talk to you, but I forgot <laughs> about Kevin because Kevin's so forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. That's, it's not really that. I think if I get some of the best ideas for guests and I think about it and I forget. And one of the things I started doing on Twitter is I actually started a list. Uh, and yeah. It's a private list of people to consider for podcasts. That way I can go back and look. And I'll talk to people at conferences. Yeah, I need to get you on my show. And, yeah. and times pass. It's just like I had a recent recording with Katie Paxton Fear, insider PhD. She's you know really yeah. big in the bug bounty community. I talked to her at uh, Black Hat USA or Black Hat Europe in London okay. last okay. December, and I finally got it. We fi I finally remembered and finally got around to getting her scheduled, and yep. I recorded her last week. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I it, it's 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 one of those things I find when you when you get involved in this field. There's so many things. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have shiny object syndrome, right? Like, yes. oh my god, oh that that looks yeah. awesome. I need to try that out. And yep. I, it's the same thing with talking to people, right? I, uh -huh. I I see somebody. I'm like, there are people I follow on Twitter that I think to myself, man, that that person, they they're a genius. I need to talk to them. I need to talk to them more. And then, but but that's in that context. Right. And then you, mm -hmm. you shift context and now you're working on a contract or a test or whatever. And, and you lose track. I, what I started doing and I, and I, you know, this works, this works for me and I'm weird. So I don't know that it's a good recommendation for anybody else, but I actually bought, and this is, I, this is not sponsored, but uh, <laughs> I bought a Kindle scribe. Okay. And it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the newer, it's a big Kindle and you can write on it. Right. And, and the reason it worked for me is because I can take a note whenever it pops into my head. And if I have my Kindle, I, I can do it. And which, you know, a lot of times I'm reviewing stuff or reading stuff on the Kindle and, and so notating stuff that way, but uh, it puts the notes onto my phone as well. Because my phone has access to the same account, right? Mm -hmm. So now it's it. I used to carry. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how old you are, but I'm old. And uh, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. When I was a kid, do you remember the? I don't know if they still have them. 
they were spiral bound notebooks, but they were like that big and you could hold, carry them in your back pocket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. every, every year that was what the teacher wanted us to write our homework assignments in, right? Like that's, you were supposed to keep that. I used to carry one of those around for years because I would think of something and oh, I got to write this down. I got to keep track of it. And then uh, what made me stop doing it was I had broken like my 10th pen in my back pocket. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this, this isn't going to work. I got to stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea with the, the scribe. So yeah, I try I, what, what I used to kind of do is I use an iOS device. So used to, that with, well, with the notes in iOS, you could kind of link it to your like your Gmail notes. So I would just ah, put yeah, stuff yeah. in there. So it's, so I go back and and view it on my screen to share it that way. But I don't know if you if you're this way or not too. But if you could just do nothing but do podcasts, you wouldn't have a hard time filling, you know, the time oh. with people to interview. No, yeah, no. There's a ton of people that, and what I find is there's so many people that that they're doing amazing things. And they don't even realize how amazing the thing they're doing is. Mm-hmm. And I, I really want to like drag them into the limelight. Like, okay, okay, you're doing this cool thing. Come over here. And, but, but I found that, you know, one of the things I found is that there's so many like scam emails like, hey, I want to co blog post on your website thing that, it's hard. It's even harder to get in touch with people unless you you have a contact in 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 common or or whatever, you know. So yeah, I my my problem is nobody's paying me enough to just do all the cool things and talk to all the cool people that I want to. I, I keep having to go and do that, you know, that day job thing. And uh, I, I'd like to get to the point where I don't have to do that anymore, but I don't I don't expect that to happen. Well, ever. <laughs> yeah, so, something you might check out that Daniel Meisler just recently put out. He uh, did you see that on his, how he's kind of shifted from working yep. for companies? It's pretty interesting he did that because I was pretty impressed when yeah. I found out first the year that he was full time in business for himself. So that's someone yeah. Yeah. living in the Bay awesome. Area, working for you know this working for Robinhood. So he had to be making good money to quit all that and go into business for yourself. So that was pretty impressive. Yeah. I, he, he's impressive anyways. Like he is just one of those good, he's just one of those good people that makes everybody around him better. Mm -hmm. Right. I just, every, every dealing I have with him is, is I'm, I'm made smarter. I'm made better. I'm, I'm, you know, he's a, like I said, he's, he's just a good person. Uh, At least that's my motivation. Yeah, super motivational. I've had texts for him before just saying, I just want to let you know you're awesome and and, yeah. and all this. Keep up what yeah. you're doing. And so just stuff like that out of the blue, which is pretty awesome. But for anyone listening that don't know of Daniel Meisler, his unsupervised learning blog and podcast is awesome. It's really kind of a good way to to read some quick research or get access to some research of items you may not spend that much time on. And yeah. just like the uh, stuff he's done with AI, you know, he is doing stuff on AI before chat GPT come along and, and made it more, more common. Yeah. He, he, he's definitely a person to, to follow and see where his mind is going. And, and, and the tidbits he shares are just, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, there's a lot of good people like that. I mean, uh, 
another person that just blows my mind constantly, uh, Jason Haddix. Oh yes, right? uh, you know, yeah. Jason is is incredible. He just he just shares, just shares mm -hmm. everything he knows. Here, here's how I do this. Here's how I do that. Um, Alyssa Miller, right? Yeah, she's yeah. incredible. I, you know, I, and I, I'm going to stop naming people because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to name people, and then I'm going to forget, forget to name people. And, and yeah. it's okay. I can't do that. But uh, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'm old. I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing security. I've been doing IT for a while. And I, what amazes me is how much I have been able to accomplish because of the community we're able to build around ourselves. You know what I mean? Like that, that is, mm -hmm. I am where I am today because other people showed me stuff or helped me or, or, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really happy to see, well, you know, bluntly, I, I got professionally, I got involved professionally in IT in 1991. Okay. So we're looking at, you know, 32 years that I've been doing this for a paycheck. And um, mm -hmm. I, I'm thrilled to know that we're, I think overall, I know there's problems. I know there's cruddy people. Um, I think overall we're better off today because of the people that are pushing things forward than we were 30 years ago. You know? Yeah. One of the things I don't know if you, you witness this or not, especially cause I got my start in it as a sys admin yeah. and I didn't get started till like 97. Uh, but one of the things I experienced, you had people back then that weren't going to share what they knew because it was their job security. Yeah. And I think it seemed like we had a lot of more of that then than we do nowadays. People are more, more willing to share. Yeah. I think, I think it depends on where you were at, where, where you connected. So when I was, so I, you know, 91, I graduated high school. Um, and I, I got a job like right away. Um, I, I never went to college. So, um, well, that's not true. I signed up for college. I went to a couple of classes and dropped out for this job that, that I had. And, um, what I found was, I yeah, there were a lot, a ton of people that didn't want to share, but getting onto, and I'll show my age a little bit here, but getting onto bulletin board systems and, you know, getting on, you know, I was dialing into VBSs for forever. And, um, there was always people, you know, what was it? Fidonet and, you know, that, which was a, a message messaging system that crossed bulletin board systems. And, uh, you know, of course you, you net with the internet, there were always people that you could find that were willing to help. Yes. The jerks were loud. The people who I, I tell people, I just had this conversation yesterday. I was at a conference uh, that I was speaking at, but we also had a booth. Right. And uh, I had some students walk up to me and they were talking to me about, you know, trying to learn stuff and trying to figure this stuff out. And one of them mentioned that they had reached out to like some famous person. Right. Uh, and please hear the quotes and italics around famous, right? Because, you know, just because you're a celebrity on Twitter doesn't make you a celebrity. But let's yeah. let's go with it, right? And they, and they asked some questions about some stuff the person was claiming to have done. And, hey, I was able to do this. I, you know, this, this, this. And they asked some questions. And the person was like, no, no, no. Figure it out yourself. I don't, I'm not sharing. I'm not doing this. And what I've realized, and that, this is what I told the person, is that the vast 
majority of the people, if not every person, but I don't like absolute statements. But if you ask somebody a question and their answer to you is go figure it out yourself or go Google that or go, 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 go away. And, and cause this is my special knowledge. That is absolutely a sign that that person is a moron and doesn't actually know the things they say they do. They may know technology. They may know some aspect of something, but what I find is that it's the fear of ignorance, the fear of being found to be ignorant that makes these people like clam up, like, no, I can't share mm -hmm. this. And it's like, it's when people actually, cause you know, bluntly, I don't think you actually know something until you teach somebody else that thing, right? Because yeah. yeah. for you to be able to teach it to somebody, that's proof you actually know it. That That's mm -hmm. where, you know, the number of times I'm in class, I'm talking to somebody, they ask a question, and like a light bulb lights up in my head, like, oh, man, I never thought of that thing, right? Like, I, I hadn't, like, I know this topic, and this person just taught me something new, yeah, I, I think, yeah, but you're right. I, the people nowadays, I, for, for the most part, there's, like I said, there's, there's crummy people out there. There's definitely, uh, you know, loud, obnoxious, uh, you know, I, I just want to destroy everything, people. But there's, there are good people out there that want to share, and that, that's important. And I think there's a good lesson to be learned, too, or, or shared from the point you mentioned, you know, people saying, go Google this or Google that. I, there's times I've had people... That I mentored or former students that would constantly be asking me questions about stuff that could be Googled. But for those that are helping people, you got to realize too, if you don't understand the terminology well enough, you understand the subject, you can Google all you want to, and it's going to be hit or miss if you find the information. So always I would let them know, I don't know, but here are these, you know, yeah. these are good uh, searches I found on Google. This is good, legitimate information here, use this. And I had someone finally one day said, thank you for not telling me to Google it. You know, when I ask you for information, because some legitimately didn't know it and just kind of having empathy and yeah. patience with people is, is important. Yeah. See, I, I don't have patience. I don't have empathy. I'm a really mean <laughs> person, but I, <laughs> but I want to help. I want to help people. Yeah. It's, you're absolutely right. Now there are times where it's like, okay, you know, here is because you don't want to, I don't want to spoon feed you. I don't want to give yes. you everything. I want you to learn how to learn. But I would like to believe that for the people we're dealing with, at the ages that we're dealing with people, I would like to believe they already know how to learn, right? Like, mm -hmm. and if they don't, you're not going to teach them over Twitter, I, you know, or or uh, or Blue Sky or whatever you want to want to use it today, right? Um, yeah, I, I I like that. I I the other problem with telling people to Google stuff is, I not only you're absolutely correct that they don't have the basis to know what to look for. But but the flip side of that is also bad. They don't have the foundation to know when what they found was wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so they look at stuff. And, you know, uh, recently on Twitter, there is this uh, just jackhole scumbag idiot who's been sharing, you know, it was, it, at first it was funny. It was like, oh, it's the Tracer T guy grown up and, he's been targeting people like track and pacer and, and whatever, who are, are just good yeah. people. And I've, I've watched a couple of his videos. I had to actually stop watching his videos because they were making me dumber. But um, <laughs> I, 
his stuff, like if you read his stuff where he's where he's describing things like, oh, now let's be very clear. He, he's a QAnon conspiracy theorist jackhole, right? Um, but when he when he's releasing these videos about how he's trace routing servers and he's talking about stuff, the stuff he is saying, and, and please do not walk away from my statement and say, oh, Kevin believes that guy. Um, the stuff that he is saying sounds technically correct enough that if you don't have the foundation to understand why it's wrong, you're bamboozled by the big words. And I use bamboozle on purpose there because um, it's a big word. And, um, but, <laughs> you know, if you don't have that foundation, so the answer of go Google that yourself, go figure it out yourself, is it's just doomed to either mean the person is going to fail because they can't find the stuff, or worse, they're going to fail because they find stuff that is fundamentally flawed and wrong, yet they don't recognize it. And then when we look at them and say, well, that's stupid. How could you possibly think that? Well, of course they think it, because you told them to go yeah. Google it. <laughs> and and a th comment to make on that guy that was being, being the jerk, one of the things I noticed he said that was kind of you know, he's kind of putting people down because he doesn't want people to follow credible people because then right. all of a sudden that blows blows his cover. Because I heard yep. this guy was charging thousands of dollars for his courses or his mentoring or yeah. something, but he was putting down like Sam Bone. It's the like the teacher there at uh yeah. San Francisco City College, which is awesome. The dude teaches at, at DEF CON and some of these other conferences, and I've seen his his stuff. He knows what he's doing and yeah. he gives his content away for free. But he does have some paid courses and stuff, but he lets you take his stuff yep. for free. And I'm thinking, yeah, no wonder he's putting this guy down because he's got yeah. all this great content for free. So who would want to pay him thousands of dollars for, for what he's Cutting doing? Stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get started in, in pen testing? How did you get into that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I woke up one day and I was I was a domain admin on a network I didn't own, and it was just weird. And um, <laughs> so um, <laughs> Honestly, it was it was. Um, I, I made the comment today. I was talking to somebody this this morning, this afternoon, um, and I made the comment that I am the epitome of privilege. Right, I'm a I'm a, a straight white old guy, <laughs> you know, and um, I, you know you throw fat and balding in as well if you want, and uh, yeah. So I, I you know. As a kid, computers fascinated me. Like I said, I graduated high school. I got a job um, in a what we would call a startup today, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was laughing at that term because every company starts up, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but back then, it was just a new business, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's where it was. And uh, they hired me to run their network. In run their bulletin board system. They had a BBS that was connected to the internet and right um, and write software. Uh, we were we had a contract to write this software that helped control the power grid, right? And so that was my job. I'm an 18 year old kid, uh, stupid, and uh, I, I get this job, and that that just it became one after another. You know, I was an admin, I was a developer, I was an admin, I was a developer, and then. Um, naturally uh security became part of that i i don't think you can be a good admin or a good developer and not at least think about what security means right 
And so I got, I got involved in some stuff like that. Uh, some of the companies I was working at let me try some stuff out and do some things. And then um, I released some open source tools, uh, Base, the basic analysis and security engine, which was a web friend for Snort. Uh, I had forked a tool called Acid uh, that had Remember basically that? been abandoned, right? Um, and back in, I want to say it was 2001, maybe maybe a little bit later than that, maybe as late as 2004, um, I the company I worked for, Blue Cross, um, sent me to a SANS event, and I took Mike Porter's class. And Mike Poor was teaching uh, packet analysis and intrusion detection. And um, so I went and took the course. And in the course, they were actually one of the sections about intrusion detection. They were teaching base. So when Mike found out that I was in the class, he decides, hey, Kevin, why don't you teach that section? <laughs> like, instead of me <laughs> teaching it, you're the author. Why don't you show us base, show us how it works, show, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I did. And that was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, you know, uh, Mike poor is letting me do this. And um, I, I joked with him later, you know, he got paid for the day and I did the work, but um, <laughs> so uh, that night he took a group of students out to dinner and uh, I was one of them. Uh, we went to a Brazilian steakhouse, uh, which was uh, amazing, delicious. And uh, more steak uh, than, than any human should consume at one sitting. But, you know, I'm willing to try again. And um, he actually said to me at dinner, okay, Kevin, you know, I've, I've seen base. We've been using it. You know, da, da, da. You seem like a decent guy. What do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, I, I'm goofy. And I, I looked at him and I said, I want to be you. I, I want to be a consultant. I want to, you know, I've. I've done some testing. I've done some of this. I've done analysis. I've done forensics. I've, you know, just part of jobs, right? And uh, he said, okay, and gave me some advice. Uh, I don't know that his advice is valid outside of the scenario that we were in. Uh, his advice was to take uh, the intrusion handling, the intrusion detection, and the forensic analyst certifications at SANS. So uh, 504, 503, 508. And uh, get those certs, and then you could, according to Mike, you could write your ticket anywhere. And I think what he meant was you could write your ticket to InGuardians, the company he owned, um, because much of InGuardians were SANS instructors. <coughs> and um, so I'm like, okay. And so I, 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 I took the cert for his course, and then I didn't have enough money to buy the other courses because even back then, SANS courses were slightly expensive. But, you know, we won't talk about how asininely ridiculous the cost is today but um i challenged the forensic cert and i challenged the intrusion handling the incident handling cert so 508 and 504 challenge meaning i took the test without taking the class um i passed both tests high enough that sans asked me if i'd be willing to teach them uh started teaching the 504 class and then interviewed it in guardians and got a job and that, that is literally how it happened. Like, boom, boom, boom. Now I'm a pen tester. And uh, I worked at InGuardians for a number of years. And then 2010, so 13 years ago, started Scare Ideas. Uh, left InGuardians for the bank and started, as, you, know, you know, the professionally evil organization we have today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Very cool. And so through this, I know you had taught for SANS for several years, but now you're yep. doing doing your own thing with your company, Secure Ideas, along with the consulting and yeah. you're also we, offering training. Yeah, we do a lot of training. Uh, most of what we do, obviously, is, is pen testing and adversarial type stuff, advisory consulting. Um, but we do training. We work with uh, Black Hills, uh, you know, John Strand's organization. Mm -hmm. He founded a, an organization called Anti-Siphon. And we're one of the collections of courses that are offered through Anti-Siphon publicly. Uh, and we do it pay what you can, um, mainly because for us, training is not a profit center. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a greedy capitalist, all right? I'd, I'd like to be a bajillionaire. But um, uh, we do training to share knowledge. I, uh, we also do training because it shows our expertise and people then come and buy services from us because... Well, hey, I took this course about web pen testing from Kevin. He seemed halfway decent. Let's hire him to do a pen test. Uh, so it, it is a form of marketing, but um, we we offer it that way. Um, we also do private courses. You know, companies can bring us in, and, and we do that. So we do a lot of training. Um, all of our training is focused around uh, some form of security, whether it's our CISSP mentorship um to our you know the professional evil appsec course or the professional evil network testing course stuff like that so very cool so yeah we can't definitely can't uh leave you know stop the show or continue discontinue or you know end the show without talking about uh samurai wtf so if you want that's kind of one of <laughs> take, taking a sans course and introduction was that was kind of how i how i found out about you myself nice nice yeah samurai wtf uh the WTF stands for Web Training Framework. Uh, we did not come up with the obscene version, of course. No, uh, <laughs> not didn't come up with that first and then figure out how to make it work. Um, Samurai WTF has, was a uh, live environment. You would boot a, a CD, and it would be a, a Windows testing environment. It had Zap and burp and dvwa and matilda and all the different vulnerable apps and sql map and w3af and everything and uh over the years it's grown and changed to its current version now which is a, a vagrant file and it builds a live environment it you know, builds a virtual machine um and we're actually working on a brand new version uh we we jason gillum the co-lead on the project he built this tool called Shogun and it's about to be it's it's in GitHub so it's it's already open source in there it's just not an official release yet right um and what it does is instead of using virtualization which we've been running into problems because of M1 and M2 Max and a lot of companies don't allow people to do virtualization or their hardware isn't strong enough or whatever <clears throat> what Shogun does is it spins up a lab environment using containers for all of the training targets. So you're able to say, you know, Shogun, start this and this and this and this and this, and now let me practice, let me learn this, let me try this out. Uh, it's, it's all focused on the idea of let's provide as many different ways to get access to the tools and the training apps as possible. Right, so Shogun and Katana. Katana is another uh, tool install installer that's part of Samurai. Um, they're just focused on making it as easy as possible 
to get the person who wants to learn into an environment where they can, right? So, yeah, Samurai has been Samurai has been around for a while. Uh, Samurai is actually older than Secure Ideas. I, I I built the first version of it back when I worked at In Guardians because I was supposed to go to DEF CON and ended up not being able to go to DEF CON because of a client engagement. And then the client engagement got moved. So I was home by myself for the weekend. My family had gone away because I was going to be away. So they went, yeah. And uh, I, what do you do on a weekend when you're by yourself? Build a Linux distribution. Why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things I remember too was the PDF that came with that. That was like kind of a little course on yeah on how to use that that little learning environment. Yeah, there, that course was the course that Justin Searle and I used to teach at Black Hat, and uh, yeah, it was all part of the course. Now that course still that course is still in the repo. But now what we have is uh, a few years ago, we open sourced a six-day course um, called the Professional Evil Web App Pentesting 101 course. And that is six days of materials and exercises and stuff like that on web pentesting that I won't say was sans SEC 542, but it might look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. So I know you're you're wanting to discuss open source and OWASP. So uh, yeah, I, I think the big thing I want to talk about is the board, right? The board election. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for the people who don't know, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised how many people don't know what OWASP is, right? Uh, OWASP is an organization that's been around for 20 some years. It was founded on the idea of providing information on on application security, uh, tools, techniques. The OWASP top 10 comes from that. Of course, that's the top 10 app vulnerabilities uh, that people shorten to top 10. Um, and there's been a bit of a shakeup at OWASP. Uh, there's been a lot of people complaining. And and I, and I think I, I don't want to disregard the majority of the complaints. I think that the complaints are focused on the wrong thing. Um, there's been a lot of people that have been complaining. Matter of fact, six months ago, uh, Mark Curfee uh, uh, and a number of other people released an open letter to OWASP saying, hey, you're failing at what you're supposed to do. And and their focus was on funding projects. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I think that many projects need funding to accomplish. You know, open source, people think about open sources, you know, ah, it's volunteers and they just knock it together and do it. And uh, anybody who has run an open source project or, or been involved in open source knows that it's it's a hell of a lot more work than that. And while I'm lucky, I, I you know I have a, a a company that pays me for a day job, which enables me to do the open source stuff that I do. Not everybody has that benefit, and so the the open letter was focused on that. Um, I think there's a bigger problem, and the bigger problem is. And, and I just throw it out here. OWASP, been around for 20-some years. Hundreds of thousands of people a day use the OWASP website. Organizations, PCI, NIST, CISA, uh, CREST, uh, whatever, they reference the OWASP standards <clears throat> as what we should be using and everything else like that, right? Um, okay. If we And there's like 290 projects that are part of OWASP. I think there's 
2,000 chapters around the world. I don't know the number of chapters off the top of my head, but there's tons of chapters around the world, right? Membership costs $50 a year. Let me ask you a question. With hundreds of thousands of people using the site every day, with chapters in every corner of the planet, and hundreds of projects that make up OWASP, how many paid members do you believe OWASP has? I would say is maybe I would just guessing percentage wise, I would guess maybe 10% of the 10 people that of use what? it. 10% of all the all the people using the OWASP okay. resources so are actually we, so if we said 50 500,000 people use it just to make up a number, yeah. 50,000 members. Mm -hmm. All right, I, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. It's less than 6,000. Oh well. There are six the last number I saw was 6,400 members but there are a lot of members who get a complimentary mem membership so even if we go with 6500 people are paid members um that's the problem we have a community that isn't a community and so when we talk about things like hey the chapters because the chapters have just as many problems as the projects right mm -hmm. chapters don't feel that OWASP is helping them out, sponsoring them, whatever. For us to fix those things, what we need to do is actually push OWASP forward in membership. And I don't mean that we need 20,000 people given 50 bucks a year. What I think we need is we need to actually push corporate membership, which is a balancing act, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't want OWASP to lose its independence. But mm -hmm. I think that if we push corporate membership, if we push individual memberships to buy enabling benefits to the individual members, right? Mm -hmm. Provide benefits to the individual members, which will drive more membership, drive corporate membership. The minute you do that, the second thing you have to do is actually get good documentation of what is available to people. Just the other day, because I've been very vocal about this. I'm, I'm, I'm not a quiet person when I complain about things. Um, <laughs> and one of the board members actually asked me to meet and said, Hey, can we talk about this? You're, you know, you're, you're saying all these things I want to talk about. And you know, I, I'm a project lead. I'm the vice chairman of the projects committee. I was a chapter lead for a number of years. I'm a lifetime member, I'm a corporate member, and I pay for membership for every single one of my employees, okay? And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm saying that mm -hmm. to show you how connected I am to OWASP, right? Yeah. And do you know that I wasn't aware that projects and chapters could get free access to AWS services that OWASP covered the costs to? Oh, wow. Right. I have my, my staff, one of my staff members just signed up for OWASP. One of the benefits to being an OWASP member is you get an OWASP email address, except that that process doesn't work and they don't know how to fix it. And so I think to me, there's two things we need to fix. One, we need to fix membership, get members out there, get member benefits, everything else like that. And two, we need to actually document what the heck OWASP is, right? OWASP changed their name earlier this year. They were the Open Web Application Security Project. Earlier this mm -hmm. year, they became the Open Worldwide Application Security Project. 
Hmm. And I would bet you that the vast majority of people that OWASP don't know that. Right. Hmm. So because of that, what I'm doing is I'm running for the board. I've decided that I've been loud. I've complained. So I'm going to run for a board seat. And it looks like it needs it, considering the fact they just lost their second board member today. Um, there's an argument over whether or not uh, Glenn resigned or was removed. Uh, that's an argument with them. I'm not taking a side. Uh, mm -hmm. They were calling for a no-confidence vote. He resigned. They called for the vote anyways. I don't know how that works, right? Whether whether he quit first or they fired him first. Uh, it sounds like the, uh, you're fired. No, I quit. No, you're fired argument, right? <laughs> but uh, we OWASP has lost two major flagship projects to OpenSSF. Um, we need to fix this. Or yeah, I saw, we're going to lose saw that our... Yeah, I saw one of a major project getting getting lost to that. I was really surprised. Yeah, Zap Zap left. Yeah, and SKF yeah. left. Two okay. flagship projects. So the key thing is, people need to vote, whether or not they vote for me or not. That's that's I'd love them to. I'm biased. I think I'm a good candidate. But to vote in the election, people have to be a member by September 30th. So they have to become a member to vote. If their membership is active by September 1st. Third, September 30th, they can vote in the election this year. And in my opinion, everybody should vote. I, I'm a, a huge believer in figure out, read what the candidates say they're doing, just read the plans, and then vote for the right candidate. That, I think, is the key thing to do. So I'd like it to be me, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. Thank you. Very cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So we're getting down towards the end of the episode. Is there anything that you'd like to discuss that we haven't so far? No, I think uh, I'd, I'd love to. I, I will say this. I've said this before. I'll say it again. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're involved in security-wise, if you've got a question, ask. Right? I'm on Twitter. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Slack, Discord, whatever. Uh, if you've got a question, ask. I will either be able to answer you, or I will direct you to the person who can. Like I, I, I do that a lot of times. I, I people will write me and say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And I'll be like, "Uh, you know what? I am not the person to show you that. Talk to this person, and yeah, ask. If I can help, I will." Very cool. I Thanks, and I appreciate you being my guest. It's good to to actually get to, to speak with you. You're someone I've followed for many years, and I'm so and sorry. cool to. <laughs> <laughs> but my opinion, it was good. It was good. Okay. So, okay. thanks for all you've done. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it, man. It was great talking to you. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.